Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. We are glad that you're here this morning. Um, we are truly glad to be with you, and... Uh, My mom's getting a call from my sister, probably. Did you make it there? You, you can tell her yes. <laughs> um, man, it's good to be with you, Mom. So that's my mom over there. <laughs> we were really informal here, right? Um, really, uh, we have been on a series that has actually struck a chord with a lot of people. Um, it, it's, it's really began to initiate some things in their life and in their journey with Christ. And so um, if you have not uh, been a part of this gathering in the past couple weeks um, and you've missed these, these sermons, I really do challenge you to um, go to either Spotify or iTunes um, and search Wapak Naz. And listen to the last two sermons in this series. You can even go to wapaknaz.org and uh, listen on our website as well. I just urge you, um, one, if you feel like, man, my faith is really, really stagnant um, and I'm really struggling with things, this is a great um, series to step into. Uh, and two, if you have feel like you have deep-rooted faith, in Christ, and uh, you feel like you're the oak tree or the palm tree in the winds, and you're you're standing firm. Um, this this series will definitely, if you take this to heart, this series will definitely move you um, to to newness and freshness. And so we've been on a series of dangerous prayers, um, and uh, we today we kind of pick up where we left off from last week. Um, it was a complete whirlwind of three days. Judas had put the workings of betrayal already in motion. Um, he betrayed Jesus and he betrayed his 11 other brothers, his band of brothers. He was guilty, he felt guilty and regret, and Judas hung himself. Uh, Jesus was arrested. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was nailed, crucified. He was dead and buried. For his disciples, they felt lost. They were confused. They had given them their lives to this whole thing. They have given up many things for this. And all seemed lost. The movement became stagnant. And, in fact, there were many disciples that followed Jesus that weren't a part of his band that were leaving. 
And even Thomas was nowhere to be found, one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And so, for fear of what happened to Jesus would happen to them, they found themselves behind locked doors. There was grief, there was loss, there was frustration, there was anger. All these emotions colliding at once. And then there was Sunday morning. And things got a little bit worse. Because when they went to the tomb, there was no body. And there was a lot of scratching of their heads. What happened? Who took his body? Then, in a moment, Jesus revealed himself to Mary Magdalene, and she clung to him. Not only was there grief, and there was loss, and there was confusion, and there was anger probably directed towards Judas. There was frustration. The movement was stagnant. Now there was hope, but there was a lot of confusion along with the hope, and this was all mixed together. That same evening, Resurrection Sunday, they were behind locked doors, again, minus Thomas. And they were finding some sense of normalcy by being together, but it still didn't dispel any fears. It still did not dispel the grief and the loss and the hurt and the confusion, the anger, the frustration. And then Jesus appears as if out of nowhere. The doors were locked. He must have either walked through walls or said, beam me up God like Scotty and Spock. I don't know, but he showed up in this moment. In this moment of confusion and loss and hurt and grief and all those emotions that you and I so readily feel. In the first words he says to his disciples is peace be with you. And then Jesus, going back to kindergarten, does show and tell. He shows them the holes in which the nails were driven into and He shows the hole in which the spear was driven into his side to make sure that he was dead. And he wasn't necessarily just showing them the holes in his hands to let them know that he was dead, but he was showing them the holes in his body to let them know that he was alive. And again, he repeats the same words. Peace be with you. But here's the beautiful irony of the kingdom of God. The beautiful irony of the kingdom is, he said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Wait a second. I'm still processing. I'm still overwhelmed. I'm still grief-stricken. I still don't know what's going on. I'm confused. I'm hurt. I'm lost, I'm angry, I'm frustrated. We gave up everything for this. And then he says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. This is the beautiful irony. Where we left off last week was, God, break me. God, break me. With all sincerity, break me. 
And the beautiful irony of the kingdom of God is that brokenness leads to usefulness. Let me repeat that. Brokenness leads to usefulness. The world doesn't see brokenness as we do. The world sees brokenness and tosses it. There was once a day that you saved broken things so that one day that you could fix them. But those days have gone away in mass production. If it's broken, you either toss it or you mark it down. Brokenness in the kingdom of God leads to usefulness. Brokenness does not disqualify you. It actually qualifies you. Brokenness leads to usefulness. Because it is in the cracks of our brokenness when we come to Christ that the lights the light shines the brightest. So brokenness qualifies us for grace. Because quite frankly, there's none in this room and none listening to my voice online that isn't broken or hasn't been broken. Quite frankly, without Christ, we are all broken. But when we are in Christ, the broken becomes whole. Whole again. And in that beautiful irony, God sends the broken to the broken. To bring the message of hope and love and peace and compassion. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you're sitting here today and you're in pieces, congratulations, that's your starting point. Get going. Get moving. It's time to get up. Because God is sending you. God is sending you. And that's where we find our dangerous prayer. Our dangerous prayer today is, God, send me. God, use me. Use me. In spite of all that, or because of all that, use me. Because nothing is wasted in the kingdom of God. Nothing. Nothing is ever wasted in the kingdom of God. And so, rather than asking God, God, will you do this for me? Will you heal me from this? Will you take this away from me? Will you please remove that annoying individual in my life, that coworker? Or will you make these kids be quiet for once? Or, God, will you get me a date with her? I prayed that a lot. I really did when I was single. Or, Lord, give me the closest parking space in the lot, please. You prayed it. You know it. Don't ever deny it. You've done it. <laughs> this is a prayer that, that rather than asking what God can do for you, it's a prayer that asks God what you can do for Him. It is a prayer of vulnerability. And it is a vulnerable prayer. Because you, it's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get when you ask this of God. It's a prayer of, I'm all in. 
Let's go all out. And it's that prayer that we talked about last week with Jesus who was struggling with his own will and the Father's will at the same time in the garden. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. And so let's open to the scriptures because we're going to move into a text later on that comes out of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. And I'm just going to read that scripture to us. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. And it's so good, we're going to read 1 through 8. But I know I have verse 1 and verse 8 up there. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. These are angels or heavenly creatures. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And the whole earth is filled with His glory. They were worshiping God. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah said this, Woe to me! I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. He recognized his sinfulness. He recognized his need for God. When you experience God, you recognize your need for Him. You recognize your sinfulness. And he said, I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then, one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. When you experience God, genuinely experience Him, you have a genuine recognition of your sinfulness. And you have a genuine experience of grace. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. He said, Go. Jesus, there are a group of people right now looking at me as if I have all the answers and I don't. And they're listening to my voice, but I would rather them listen to your voice. I would rather the Scriptures breathe deep into their life. And I would rather they receive it. May we all receive the truth that you have for us today out of your living word. And Father, I firmly believe that you're calling many of them that are in this room. You're just looking for a willing person. May all of us answer with here I am send me tune us in and may we act on what you we hear today it's in your name we ask Jesus amen 
See, in the entirety of Scripture, it's, it's not really a question of whether or not we're sent. Because all the way through the Old Testament to the New Testament, the people of God serve a God who is a God of movement. And so his people are to be people of movement. So it's, it's, it's not a question of whether we're sent, right? We've had this conversation in this room many times. It's not a question of whether you're sent. However, it's a question of your response. And quite frankly, all of us have one of three responses. The first response that we see comes from Jonah, who is a man that I, a prophet that I identify with greatly. Because God had asked Jonah to go and preach against this wicked city of Nineveh. In fact, it says this in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach. Preach against it. They were wicked, wicked people. Because its wickedness has come up before me. This is not the first time that God had called Jonah and sent Jonah. Jonah had already lived a life sent. He, he lived a sent life. In fact, prior to this, Jonah was sent to the king of Israel. And he prophesied and talked to the king of Israel. And awesome stuff happened. And so Jonah, at this period of time, in this verse, he was at the height of his career. Now, God was asking Jonah to do a dirty job. Go walk the streets of that pagan city, of those pagan people who do horrific things to people, and preach against it. And then, Jonah's response, Jonah ran away. Apparently, he had a contract with Nike. He just ran away. Jonah ran away from the Lord. And he went in the very exact opposite direction that he was supposed to go. Literally, exact opposite side of the world. He ran away from the Lord. In 2010, just two weeks before uh, my wife and I got married, um, I was sitting in, well, they weren't orange anymore. They were actually green. They were green pews. Uh, we had done a renovation. They were green. They were orange. Um, I was sitting in pews just like you. And I was listening to the pastor, and I still have no idea what he was saying. But in my spirit, I sensed that the Lord was speaking to me to become a pastor. The next Sunday, the same thing happened. I documented it right in my scripture, in my Bible. That was August. From August to Martin Luther King weekend, I ran. I was Jonah. I identify with Jonah so much. I really do. Because there are things that God calls me to that I just don't want to do. To have conversations with people. The critical, hard, difficult conversations. And this, preaching, this is not, if you ever met me and you talk with me, this is not what I had in my plans. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But I ran like Jonah. I had a contract with Nike. And I took off. This is one of the responses that we have to God's call in our life. We find another response 
in Moses, another great Old Testament figure. Moses was the master of excuses. Moses had kind of gone and shot off the hip real quick early in his life. He knew he was called to do something great, but he just stepped in front of it before it was even his time. And then he ran, just like Jonah. And we find Moses in the desert, tending to his, father's fl- or his father-in-law's flock, Jethro. And no, he didn't get any of that bubbling oil. You know, that wasn't it. He, he was there doing the monotony of watching the sheep. And in the monotony, God broke through the mundane in a burning bush. And it was a curious sight for Moses because the bush wasn't burning up. And so he went over to the bush to drink it up with his eyes. I find it very ironic, actually. This is a Bible nerd note. Sorry. I find it very ironic because most of Moses' life was signified by water. But in this moment, he was launched by fire. And he goes over to this burning bush and this curiosity, and his, it was a wild moment. And then God out of the bush spoke and he said Moses Moses and Moses responded here I am we sang that song earlier here I am to worship and I thought it was very uncanny that Sandy had picked that song because she didn't know what I was preaching on she had no clue and that's almost like this moment Moses is here I am and the Lord The Lord had heard the cry of His people, the Israelites, as they were in oppression by the Egyptian people. And He said, I am sending you. I'm sending you to Pharaoh. I want you to deliver those people. And as the master of excuses that Moses was, He first said, who am I? He goes from here I am to who am I? Essentially, he said, I lack the competence. I am inadequate to do this job. Then the master of excuses spins another one. Suppose I go. Who do I tell them sent me? He had doubt. He had doubt in who was calling him. And then... He said, suppose I go and I tell them, but they don't believe me. He had lack of confidence, not in himself, but who was calling him, but also in himself. And then he says, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I am not eloquent of speech. I stutter. I'm very, very slow. He believed that he was a lack of ability. And eventually, Moses comes down to it and says, You know what, Lord? Send someone else. Send someone else to do it. I don't know about you, but I've had those moments where I didn't want to do it, and I would rather somebody else do it, right? We have Jonah, who has the contract with Nike. We have Moses, who's the master of excuses. Jonah ran. Moses said, send someone else. Here I am, I'm not going, catch me if you can. Here I am, send someone else. 
But the prophet, of Isaiah, prophet Isaiah had the different response. He said, here I am. Send me. This was a general call. This was in a moment of political transition. Oh, it was 2020. Old school style. The king had died. And God had a message for the people. And Isaiah experienced God in a very real and tangible way. He experienced his own sinfulness and he experienced grace. And God put out a general call. This wasn't a call just for Isaiah. This was a general call to anyone who heard, whom shall we send? But Isaiah, before he was the prophet, if you're reading in the book of Isaiah, you're thinking, this is chapter 6. Didn't he become prophet in chapter 1? He's looking backward for a moment. And he took that general call as a personal call. It was uh, 2002. My career path seemed to be going very, very well as the way I planned it. My plan, three years in the workforce to get some experience under my belt and gain a little weight, apparently. Um, some Bad joke. Don't ever say that again. Okay. Um, get some experience under my belt and then apply to marriage and family therapy programs all across the country to find a program and get a master's degree. And so it was 2002. I had worked as a probation officer and I had enough experience under my belt in the mental health field as well and I applied and I even applied to OSU. Um, they didn't take me. Uh, they didn't like me apparently. Um, but University of Louisiana Monroe had, had received me and so I went down looking for an apartment and to sign up for classes and I was standing there in the registrar line already had sent in my resignation letter to my boss finishing up my last few weeks at work and I was at the registrar line and I was ready to apply for the classes for the coming semester and I just had this overwhelming sense that this wasn't right that I there was something going on I had no clue but I knew it wasn't right and in that line with check in hand and course list in hand I walked out of the door I went back to the probation department and uh, I asked my boss, can I retract my resignation letter? And at that moment, my career path began to become that train wreck. And the first few rail cars started to derail. I still continued as a PO for a few years and I sat behind this nameplate. But it was April 12th, 2005. I came in at 7.25 in the morning before 7.30. Phones didn't start until 8 o'clock and so I had a half hour to do the things that I needed to do and prepare and 
I did what I normally did. I pulled out this devotional from John C. Maxwell, and I opened up to that date. It was a Tuesday. That's the wrong one. That's Friday, April 12th. And these are the words that I read. In that year, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. I had already been thinking, I'm not supposed to do this for the rest of my life. What is it that I'm supposed to do? And I'd been asking that question for a long time. And then I read that devotional. And in it, it says God has a message and is looking for a messenger. God issued a general call for anyone. And Isaiah took it personally. And that is the moment, that's the actual post-it note that I had written on that day. That was the moment that I had said, here I am. Send me. I had no clue what that meant in that moment. Folks, when you pray this prayer, the reason that it's a dangerous prayer is because you just don't know where God's going to send you. And honestly, I feel like that's one of the fears of why we don't pray this prayer. God, send me. God, use me. Because it really is a blank slate. You are really praying a prayer of availability. It is a vulnerable prayer because you just don't know. And you're trusting that He's going to take you. You don't know if He's going to send you across the globe to Southeast Asia or the bush somewhere in the continent of Africa. You don't know if he's going to call you to be, to be a pastor or a worship leader, to lead a life group, to be the community out, the kingdom outpost in your community or in your neighborhood. You just don't know. And this is why we don't pray this prayer. It's that dangerous. You just don't know. I didn't know the heartache that would come with that. Here I am, send me. But I also didn't know the joy. I, didn't, I also didn't know the, the victories. I also didn't know the fruit. There's a lot of goodness on the other side of that prayer. Remember, brokenness leads to usefulness. By that time in 2005, there was already brokenness in my life. Not just my career. Just brokenness. I don't need to go into that today. You might be there. I challenge you. There's something greater on the other side of that prayer. And if you sincerely open yourself... It was November 
17, 1996. It's 5 p.m., around 5 p.m., around dinner. It was a Sunday. It was in the bathroom. I had just given Jesus my life. It's 23, 24 years ago. Just given Jesus my life. And received him. Walking away from that moment, I, I had no clue what it meant. I really didn't. I knew that God just entered my life. I knew I had fire insurance. That was good, right? And I knew I had just received eternal life. But I didn't know what to do. I went to church that next week, but I didn't know what it meant. So I went to the person that I figured knew, my, my good friend George, who I partied with. He should know he's the pastor's kid, <laughs> right? Uh, I, and I'll just be honest, I, I didn't feel any different. I mean, I've had many conversations with people who had received Christ, said, Jesus, I give you my life, and they had this overwhelming different feeling. I, I was just dumbfounded. I didn't know. So I did what I thought I was supposed to do. I read scripture. I didn't understand it, but I read it. I prayed, but I was clueless. It was shortly after that that there was somebody in the dorm that had invited me to a retreat, literally last minute. It was like 10 minutes before they were leaving. So on a whim, I said, sure. So I went. Uh, just with the clothes on my back, I didn't take anything with me. And um, I, don't, I, I don't remember. I, I was in a van full of people I didn't know, and I don't really recall anything that happened at that retreat. I, I don't recall what the, the, the speaker said um, or the scripture that he read or she read. I don't even know who it was or what it was. But I do recall very vividly the shower after I got back from the retreat. One, because I hadn't had a shower in two days because I didn't have anything changing. But two, in that shower, I began to sing a song that we had sung during the retreat. It was a hymn. It was a very simple hymn. And I began to sing it, which is really odd because I actually had a mouth that rivaled the military and the Navy and and I had a mind that was just a teenage mind. But I was singing this, this hymn, Spirit of the Living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the Living God, fall fresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. That song, that hymn, went with me everywhere. I don't know why. It just stuck with me. And I found myself singing it, thinking about it in the most odd times, but primarily in the shower. That's why, I mean, I was saved in the restroom. It's my secondary sanctuary. Honestly, it's where you're most vulnerable, right? I don't know when it was, 
But that song began to become a prayer of my heart and my mind. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. And as I was writing and processing this this week and this sermon, I realized that's what we've been talking about this whole month. Our first prayer was, search me, O God. See if there's any offensive way in me and show it to me. Break me. That's the melt me and mold me. And this week it's send me. It was a simple prayer. But I didn't know the magnitude of that simple prayer. It's taken me all the way to this moment and this point in my life because it was a prayer of availability. It was a prayer of vulnerability. Maybe I was naive to believe that God would answer my prayer. But honestly, I learned very early on that when I talk to God, I talk to Him as if He's right there in the room because He is. So today, today, I ask you to pray the prayer of availability, vulnerability, because it is a prayer of power with all sincerity and all genuineness in your brokenness and where you are. God, send me. God, use me. Sandy, will you come? And so, I'd ask you just kind of, just bow your head for a moment. And I, I'd like for you just to process and reflect on life. Life. Your life. Not anybody else's, just yours. Process your brokenness and your victories. Process where you've been. What isn't working out the way you thought it should. I just want to tell you, you're right where you're supposed to be today, in this moment. And this moment is yours. It's no one else's. It's your moment. Because God is calling you. How do I know this? Scripture tells me. He's calling you. You. He's calling you, teenager. He's calling you, junior high student. He's calling you, young adult. He's calling you, mom. He's calling you, dad. He's calling you, grandma and grandpa. Retiree, he's calling you. 
This is your moment. He's calling you. And he's asking, whom shall I send? And I ask you, are you willing to pray that dangerous, radical, life-transforming prayer? Here I am, God. Send me. Use me, even in my brokenness. Even in my grief and my loss, my hurt and my pain, my confusion. Use me even in my success the height of my career and my life. Use me now. But if you have yet to say yes to Jesus, now's the time. And if you desire to know Him and have a relationship with Him, Scripture says that for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. And John said, this is love. This is love. The Father sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice. That Jesus was sent. As He was sent, He was sent for you. He was sent for this moment. For your redemption, your deliverance, for grace and peace eternal life if that's you I'm asking that you step in the gap and you stand and you say Jesus I give you my life Jesus I give you my life I give it to you at this point I've broken it I want you to make it new Jesus, I give you me. So Lord, I ask that you be very real in this moment, because you are, but very tender. Bring peace and bring comfort, bring newness and wholeness, bring completeness. Break those things in us that need broken, Lord God. I'm sure you could do far better with them than we have. We love you, Lord. We praise you. If you prayed that prayer, if you prayed, Lord Jesus, I give you my life, will you just please raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Amen. And if you prayed, here I am, Lord, send me, use me, I'd like for you to just stand. Stand. Mm. Mm. Lord Jesus, those that have been bold enough to pray that prayer and said, I am here, I ask that you send me, I ask that you use me, I ask that you teach me, and they're full of anxiety. Lord, they are right here for you. I praise you for them. I ask that the Word of God be a lamp into their feet and a light into their path. Lord, I pray that their times with you be so very real 
that they talk with you as if you're in the room because you are. And Lord Jesus, that you help them muster the courage in the moments that they need to have courage to step into things, to do things that you've called them to do. Lord, may they not run like Jonah. May they not excuse like Moses. But may they just continue to say, yes, here I am, Lord. Send me. And Lord, I feel, I firmly believe that there is, there is going to be lives that are transformed because people stood up this morning in this place and said, send me that they are going to be used by you to bring other people into the kingdom of God, to the love of God, the grace of God, the compassion of God, because you are using them and doing all that through them. The rest of us, would we please stand? Lord, may you send us out today in grace and in mercy, but also in power and in courage in boldness to live sent lives and for those of us that are running running away for those that are excusing and asking you to send someone else Lord Father may may you continue to pursue us I love you Jesus I love you it's in your name that we ask this morning Amen. Can we give God praise? Do you mind giving praise? Many people just stood up and said, here I am. Many of you stood up and said, here I am. Send me. Praise the Lord. Don't forget this moment. What's the date? I don't remember what the date is. What's the date today? September what? September 20th, 2020. This is the day you stood up and said, here I am. Send me. It was April 12th. 2005 for me this is september 20th 2020 you stood up remember this moment remember this moment have a wonderful day thank you for listening to the wapak nas podcast we hope you remove deeply to step into god and the hope and future he has for you and that you were moved to be salt light and yeast in your community and to love people to jesus